0: Get ready, people, for the show that's all about crypto with blockchain expert, entrepreneur and day trader, also founder and CEO of Digital Currency, LLC, your host of Cryptocurrency Now, Jeffrey Bitton, a.k.a. Coin Gorilla, with co-host radio veteran D. Elvis, the voice chameleon. Welcome to another edition of Cryptocurrency Now. I'm D. Alvis, the voice chameleon, joined as always by Jeffrey Baton, the coin gorilla. And, uh, dude, let's knock this
1: out of the park because we've had a crazy couple of days, haven't we? Yes, we have. Just between our schedules and technical difficulties, it's been, uh, (laughs) it's been challenging, (laughs) to say
0: the least. And a quick note to our listeners and followers, uh, Larry Sanger had, uh, he was traveling quite a bit when we were hoping to hook up. And then in between, he caught a little bug where he was dealing with, uh, like a sinus infection and some throat issues. So unable to bring you that interview as we had hoped, uh, earlier, but we are hoping that we can reschedule something when his schedule eases up. So stay tuned, follow us on Twitter and we'll keep you posted on that as things develop. But, uh. We are excited to be doing another episode, episode 2. Episode 2. That's that's what we're doing. <laughs> so, let's get into some crypto basics. All right.
1: Crypto basics. Breaking down the basics of crypto. So, Jeff, what you got for us this week? All right. Crypto basics. This week I'm going to touch a little bit about Different cryptocurrencies and what gives them value? As you know, D, there's a bunch of different cryptocurrencies out there and they all have different prices. And, you know, for the newbie, you might wonder, hey, you know, why is this coin a thousand dollars and this other coin is five cents? I mean,
0: right. And I think that's one of the big concerns for a lot of people looking to get into this stuff is why should I choose this one over that one? And but like you said, it just at its core, what gives it
1: its value? Well, you know, there's many, many factors that gives a coin or or any asset, you could think of it as an asset as like, I'm not saying in SEC terms, but I'm saying like in your mind, you could look at gold having one value, silver having another value, and that's based on what it's used for the scarcity, etc, etc. So for instance, like, you know, we all know silver, you know, is a rare metal. It's used in all our electronics, as far as like cell phones to a bunch of things. So that gives it its value, based among like the world's economy. So like coins are the same way. Now you have to look at a at a total circulating supply of the coin. Now the circulating supply is the actual amount of coins or tokens that are out there available to the public, and then okay. And then there is a total supply. So, so what a lot of coins do, for instance, it's let's say X coin or whatever coin has twenty million coins. Let's just throw a number out there. All right. They might release based on whatever their smart contract or or their coding puts. They might release five million a year, five million a month, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, on a schedule and. So that's what dictates the circulating supply and also the total supply. So not like you have to look at it. There's some coins that have a supply of 200 million. There's some coins, one, which I thought was was just outrageous. There's Mm -hmm. this one coin called KinCoin that has 10 trillion. Okay. So you need to understand like any currency, the more there is – in supply like the Zimbabwean dollar, you can get like a hundred million Zimbabwe dollar because they keep printing these coins. So like the more coins you have in circulation, and guess unless they're getting used up and, and actually used in some kind of ecosystem or I, I mean, they're just gonna be floating in the air. So So how does that compare to say like the you know, we
0: use here in the States it's the gold standard essentially, which in principle says the U.S. economy – the dollars circulating in the United States are only equal to the amount of gold in the country, so to
1: speak. Well, that Um, actually is not the case anymore. So we were on the gold standard, but then that was taken out years ago. We're no longer on the gold standard.
0: Right. So my, my, my point being is with that transition, how would it compare to the modern standard?
1: Okay, so there's it gets a little tricky with crypto because there's a whole thing with pre mined coins and mineable coins. And now, mineable coins you could think of, for instance, Bitcoin, where it's a proof of stake, proof of work process to where you know miners go ahead and they run these machines that go ahead and do complex algorithms, solve math problems, and in return, they receive partial Bitcoin and you know. That's what the fees are charged, basically like that. Then you have pre-mined coins, which like Ripple, they went ahead, created a contract, and they have X amount of coins, which aren't mined. But then with those coins, you can go ahead, lock certain coins up. So like let's say I create 100 million coins. I can lock up 50 million coins like on X date. So for instance – June of 2019, X amount of coins will be released into the circulating supply. So, right. so that, like, it, it gives assurance that no one will flood the market. You know what I mean? That no one will just dump coins all of a sudden and crash the price. Because you have to think of it as its own little ecosystem. Just just as anything, the, the value is dictated by many factors. But at the same time, yeah. if someone controls too many coins, they can easily, like, like the price of gold, if someone controlled 50% of the gold and dumped 50% of the gold one day, that price would tank.
0: Yeah. I mean, and really when it comes down to, and I think what this is, what it when you get down to basics of just how people function and uh, economies function, going back through the history of time, all money, anything monetary, the value comes from what we as a society, as a nation, as a village, it all comes from what we determine the value to be. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that's where crypto, not so much in its infancy, because it's been a few years now, but to a lot of people coming into this whole thing and getting involved, where I hear that question all day, like, well, what gives it its value? And I said, it's like, and that's what I just try to keep it basic for people. Like, it's anything else, guys. Like, we put value on, you know, this piece of paper, by the way, for those of you who can't see, which is everyone, I'm holding a dollar bill, a crisp dollar bill. It really doesn't have any value per se. It's because we live in a society that says it has value. So this is the stages of people just trying to get involved. And I see it as this does have value because enough people are saying it has value. And that's how we get to a system that works.
1: Yeah, and more than that, you have to think of like the world as okay, there's a US dollar, there's a euro, there's the Russian ruble, there's the Great British Pound. You got to look at the world as having many different fiat currencies. Look at right. things the same way as that. There's many different ones. What gives it its value as, it, and you know, like the US dollar, like Panama, for instance, that's used as its national money plus the The cologne which is used for change but there's a lot of countries that depend on the us dollar and that gives it its value so the same with coins like like you have to look at it as okay when i invest in a coin this is what i do i look at the cert at the total circulating supply i look at the total supply of the coin i look at supply and demand i look at whatever the ico or whatever this token you know, strives to achieve. I look at their roadmap. I look to see like what kind of utility this token will have. Like, is it just going to be a bunch of tokens floating in the air, or is there going to be some kind of use for them? You know what I mean? Another thing is, right, which is a little harder. And I try to speak in layman terms for everybody. I'm not getting all technical, and I'm just trying to speak as basic as possible. But another thing that I do personally is, for instance, if some ICO or someone boasts we have a coin lock or we are going to be doing a code ber- coin burn or you know we're going to be releasing X amount of coins or this is a total amount. I will go ahead. I will go to etherscan.io. Most of these tokens are ERC20 tokens. I will go look at the smart contracts. Now this takes a little knowledge of, of knowing what a smart contract looks like. But you can go research. It's all public once the coins are out there to see how their smart contracts are, are coded and to see if they really do have the coin locks and the coin burns. Cause a lot of people boast that, but they don't. Or a lot of people say, Hey, we have 200 million coins when they really have 400 million. So please verify okay. whatever you read on these websites, you know, or their ICO white papers and go to etherscan.io type in that ticker and find out what is their total supply go research the transactions research their contract creation etc that's what And I'm then at. cool man well with that said why don't we check in on
0: coinwatch as to what is hot in the past week here in cryptocurrency Sounds great Coinwatch giving you the lowdown on the hottest performing coins all righty, so Jeff, yes, what is going up? What's going down? Who do you feel strongly about? Who are you a little shaky about this past week?
1: Okay, yeah. So, as everybody knows in the, in the trading world, it's been we've been swimming in red. It's just been it's been a a down week for for crypto in general.
0: And then, real quick, I'm sorry, I want to just interject that sure. at this moment it is the 17th of May, 2018 which is the time of the recording so of course these things could change by the time you guys hear this yeah um, as you were my friend
1: yeah no problem so we'll go ahead and everybody knows we have been swimming in a you know sea of red but there's been a couple that you know made decent returns for the, for this week and nothing like last week nothing like crazy returns like last week but definitely yeah so we'll go on to a coin number 2 so this is called iExec. The ticker is RIC. It has a coin market cap of 179 million roughly and it's currently number 97 on the coin market cap. Now, if you would have bought this coin uh, on May 9th, it was $1.64 per coin. At the time of gaining these stats, May 16th, it was at $2.50. So that's a seven day gain of 41%. and. Which is huge in this sea of red. I mean, a lot of people are just kind of hodling, which means hold on for dear life. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I'm saying? And they've just been right. kind of just hodling their coins. But if you were to do your weekly weekly study, you could have made 41%. Now, 30, over a 30-day period, you could have gained 92%. So it's nothing like super crazy but again in 30 days in what other market can you make 92 percent of on your money so if you d- dropped a thousand dollars you would be you would have made 920 dollars like you know, yeah i mean that's pretty impressive so in a month so i mean that that's pretty huge so uh, yeah I, and i and i just like to tell people even if you do day trading you need to have like longer haul trades like you need to have you need to s- scatter your trades and not just focus on day trading cuz there's a lot of days where people just lose and lose. So you need to go ahead and kind of hedge your bets and put something in more kind of like lower returns but a little more solid and that's what I like to do. So yeah, Let, let's go Right on. our other coin, so Zcash. Zcash has been a great performer this week. It currently has a market cap of 1.4 billion dollars. That's with the B. And it is number 20, 21 on the coin market cap. If you would have bought on May 9th, it was $275 roughly for, for one coin. Uh, at the time that I got these stats on May 16th, it was $373. So that's a seven-day gain of 30%, which… Not, not shabby at all. <laughs> not shabby. No, it isn't. It isn't. Now, 30-day gains are 54%. Now that's not huge, but like I said, to kind of hedge your bets, it's always good to put money in a stable performer, even though they don't perform as high as other coins. So I always
0: yeah, and I think that goes for anything you do when investing. Is you want to look at this as something? Uh, it's not a get rich quick scheme, so to speak. You know, you no. got to take some time, and and not every week things can't always just be going up, up in astronomical fashion. Things are going to level out. Sometimes things are going to drop, but they'll pick back up. So this is why we're doing this weekly and giving you guys the uh, returns that you would have had based on the numbers as uh, we record.
1: Yes, and maybe down in the future, like in a month or something, we'll go over some of the coins we talked about and see how they're doing. You know, in a month's time. But yeah, we we want to give people some good, you know, steady advice and and just for the basic, and, and even for the advanced trader, just you know, kind of give you some knowledge and stuff. My third As coin, I, I'm not really gonna, you know, say a coin I've been looking at is called Kincoin. Mm-hmm. Now, it's relatively new, but what blew me away about this coin, and this goes back to our crypto basics segment, is this coin by far has the most supply of coins out of anyone listed on CoinMarketCap. It has a total supply of 10 trillion with a T, okay? 10 trillion 10 mm-hmm. trillion coins. So, I mean, that's a big wallet yeah, That's a big that. wallet and I'm surprised <laughs> it, it, you know, it's at fractions of a penny and people are like, "Oh, wow, I see a coin fractions of a penny. It's, you know, and it's had some good returns over the last week. I don't really want to go into it, but I would just research guys. Like when you got a, a supply of 10 trillion, there's circulating supply as of now of 756 billion. So, even that is just an astronomical level. You have to think if there was like I don't know what the world's value of like currency is, but I mean ten right. trillion that gives every man, woman and child like X amount of coins. It's just Yeah, we're so, about pushing eight billion people on the planet. So yeah. you do the do the math. Unless they At- come up with some super economy system to where these coins are used like I'm talking over like a hundred thousand transactions a second on a scale like that to where they're actually utilizing some kind of ecosystem. I don't see this coin going up in value. I don't even know how it's even on the coin market cap. I don't even know what's what's doing it now. I mean to me it's just crazy. So people beware. Just do your research. Don't just look at an ICO paper. You know, don't look at don't look at an ICO and say, Oh, great idea, let me invest. I would just You know, look further than that and just make sure that there's an actual utility, actual use for the token, actual supply and demand, and an actual market for it. I mean, because with all these tokens coming out, unless they're doing something spectacular or getting adopted on different platforms, they could be useless in a little while. So that's my advice, fellas. Okay.
0: Right on. So who knows next week as we've seen before it uh gonna fluctuate and trend and we'll talk about some other coins in a week but for now that's what you've seen in the last week here at some headlines to be or not to be covering the latest crypto news regulations and trends globally jeff what do you feel is in the news in the crypto world that's uh you know worthy of people's attention
1: okay well you know i always love positive stories about you know stuff with blockchain and i came across something which i thought was really interesting and on top of that kind of amazing and i'm glad it's happening here on undp.org uh it's the united nations development program the the headline reads using blockchain to make land registry more reliable in india so wow yeah which is which is great and it's actually a necessity so going into this article it talks about how in this little region in india they have issues confirming and showing proof of their land like their land registry system right now is basically was done on paper and with flooding and things in that area landlines were being moved and people were you know having issues going ahead and and, and finding out their their property lines and things like that. right
0: if the only the only viable record is a piece of paper and that piece of paper is affected by flooding obviously rock doesn't just be paper or actually, paper beats rock, but flooding beats paper every time, and that's terrifying. I mean, I think about it when like, having my house, right? If my deed, that uh, the copy I had, was the only record out there to prove that it was mine. Right. How, I mean, this is stuff we take for granted in the developed nations, you it know, in developed
1: it, it is, and, and you're totally right. And it's like, you know, right now you go to your, you know, county assessor or whatever, you pay your property taxes, that's on their computer system. Even if you lose your physical deed, you can go in and get another one. But yeah. in, in a lot of these countries, like, and in this article, it says they got the idea from Haiti because Haiti had that earthquake which destroyed. Everyone's paper records and they were having this problem in Haiti going ahead and trying to verify I'm the owner of this property. And more than that, after the earthquake, actual property lines were moved and because the actual, right. Cause the terrain, land, actually, yeah. right. So you have to imagine. Wow. So, so think of blockchain as something now to where they can go ahead. They can GPS the landscape. They can go ahead and plot out the parcels of land. They can upload it on blockchain and then attach every owner to that parcel of land so that even if there's some disaster where that part of the world's computer services go out, being on blockchain, it will never be removed off the complete internet and off the blockchain itself. So no matter if this person in that affected area can't reach it, the people in the government that need to verify will go ahead and be able to go and verify their proof of ownership. Wow. So I That's mean I think this is amazing. Yeah, I think it is revolutionary, and I think it's it's something that needs to be done. And and this is the beauty of blockchain. It's not just some currency. It's it may have Bitcoin may have started off that way with blockchain technology, but people have advanced it. Vitalik Buterin with the Ethereum blockchain, and other people have advanced it to where now we're doing smart contracts, and now. People are doing uh, blockchains with medical records. Dubai is doing smart license plates to where they're going to be working on a blockchain to where they can scan your license plate and know everything. I mean this is huge. So people, Yeah, because it's –
0: there's too many cracks in the system currently I I believe and obviously with – one of the things we discussed in the last episode is how – the reason it's called crypto is because it's encrypted. Which makes it much more difficult, if not impossible, for those out there to hack into the system and change things up. Our current system in most aspects of business, whether it be like we were just talking about, with, you know, who's to say they couldn't just come, you know, somebody could hack into county records and change some stuff up for somebody's land deeds and things like that, especially when you figure. If you're in a major city like, you know, New York, Philadelphia, I'm uh, you know, in the Tampa Bay area, there's more money put into securing things for people. Now, obviously, what's happening in India, there wasn't really a system to begin with there. But you think about places in the United States, you know, again, living on the coast, uh, living in bigger cities or kind of urban areas. We, again, take this stuff for granted because all this stuff's been implemented, right? Right. There, so many areas in the United States where people can't even get, like, high-speed Internet still. Yeah. So think think about that, right? So, again, what's happening in India, they're using the blockchain technology to really help people and secure – that's basic, basic rights. You know what I mean? It's what do you worry about in life? Everybody wants to have a roof over their heads and some food in their belly, right? This kind of goes back to uh, Maslow's hierarchy, if you will. So – Now we're using this technology to ensure that people are taken care of in that regard. So just think about folks here in the United States where it's so easy if you're in small town, rural Texas or Kansas or whatever, you know, I'm not trying to pick on the Midwest. It's just that, you know, the flyover states have a lot of towns and small cities where things, because the money's not there. Because there's no, in the eyes of the powers that be, there's no reason to invest the money in securing. Things for the people that live in those areas. So now the beauty of this is it can be implemented in areas like that because it doesn't require those powers that be to implement it. Exactly. We're all capable of doing
1: it. Exactly, and that's and, and so we take that's, something for granted. We we, we take things yeah. for granted in in the West. You got to imagine also like and, and this you know a lot of people may not think of this aspect of it, but in rural india or haiti or whatever there's also corrupt officials and people that yeah, just after are. the earthquake and say oh this is now my land you know or or whatever or you need to pay to prove this i mean there's there's literally corruption in these other countries in these third world countries to where blockchain would not allow them to do that you know what i'm saying and it's just like and and i want to touch on something also now a lot of people may not know this but I was in the hurricane in Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico and Digital Currency LLC. last year? Yeah, Digital Currency LLC was starting there. I went ahead to Puerto Rico. Uh, I have a place there that I've had for years. I was starting our corporation, Digital Currency LLC in Puerto Rico when the hurricane happened. So luckily I had a plane fly it out a few days after and about five days after I left. But regardless – I haven't been back there since to even mess with my roof. I've been dealing with getting the website. So I've basically been a digital nomad, just getting this working. I've been in California, Nevada, you know, all over. But in Puerto Rico, as of now, a lot of people went and applied for FEMA assistance because, you know, Puerto Rico is a territory of the United States. And I heard this NPR. I, I heard this on NPR that their biggest problem was showing proof of ownership. Because Puerto Rico as well, their land registry systems are like back from the '70s and mostly paper. So this right here would help Puerto Rico immensely as well. Because I, I mean, we're talking Puerto Rico and that's U.S. territory, you know. Yeah, Puerto and that Ricans- stuff
0: is yeah. still going on, guys. Because a lot of people think, you know, because I live here in Florida, you know. So like, I went through the whole thing when when Maria was coming through, and then Irma came through, and you know there are a few other storms but the whole the caribbean islands affected it very heavily this past year and a lot of people think when the news cycle ends like oh everything's all good no there's still a lot of folks from in uh, you know that uh, make their home in puerto rico that are still displaced and there a lot of them are you know coming here to florida to get their stuff taken care of with fema and things like that but it's an ongoing process and what jeff is saying basically i think is a lot of this stuff could be what's 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 holding up things from getting resolved in a lot of ways is because there is no way to identify some of these records and things like that. So a lot of it is a he said, she said,
1: exactly. if you had
0: this technology implemented, this would expedite the process. I mean, this is yeah, if you live, in, it's American territory, you know, you're there's plenty of American citizens
1: yes. that live in Puerto Rico. So. Thank you for bringing that. Up. Uh, this affects us all it does it does and and they all are everyone on the island are american citizens is that and that's what people need to understand it's like can you imagine new york or texas right for 7 months some areas still not having power I mean, till today, there's still about 20% of the island that doesn't have power seven, eight months down the road. And there are like, I think 60%, 75% of the applications that were denied were due to they can't prove ownership. Now, you have to understand, Puerto Rico... All the power went out. So there's no internet or anything, okay? But these people that come in with FEMA, if there was a blockchain system that had a land registry, all someone would have to do was prove their identity. And then that land registry on the blockchain would be able to prove that they're the owner of this parcel. You know what I mean? So I I think this is a lesson and kind of like when something bad happens, we learn from it and we try not to repeat the same mistakes. I think this is something that can really help people in the future. And this was a great article and I I hope people utilize this and and move forward on this technology.
0: Yeah, because I think the people that want to really make a difference and help and see the future, you know what I mean? Because everything – any technology can be used – for many different uh, reasons, many different outcomes, many different motives. You know what I mean? So if you've got people who are thinking globally and thinking big picture saying, hey, we can take this, put it in that and improve that. And when it comes to helping people, especially like this, this isn't some charity thing. This is I mean, imagine if you were just minding your business wherever you live out in the world and Mother
1: Nature just came in and just effed you royally. It, what would you do? It, it, hey, it, it happened to me, bro. And I I remember the roof coming off and I remember all that water coming in and you know what? It's it's it was scary, bro. And and more than that, it was just the no lights and then the military coming in and just seeing the island in chaos, no one trying, to, no one able to get basics. Luckily, I had a plane ticket out which I purchased in advance like weeks ago right. before that happened. But even then it was two days at the airport and it's just, it is scary. And I did, I did have a copy of my paper deed, but I mean, like anything, all the talented people are leaving the island just because they can't feed themselves you know what i mean so all the right, all the right. best doctors and teachers and people that can be helping the island right now out of necessity are leaving and which is draining the, you know draining the island's like wealth of, of of brilliant people and and of like qualified doctors etc cetera, etc cetera. so now it's even getting worse, so I, I mean yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. So now if we take these brilliant minds and people who want to do some
0: good and you give them some technology that they can play with to improve a system that would help people, there's gonna be a lot of people out there that are willing to do that. So definitely. I'd love to like think about this, you know, because hurricanes aren't going anywhere and trust me, uh, it's getting to be that season again here in Florida, and yes. everybody gets I don't want to say everybody panics, but it's kind of like you make it, it becomes a part of the seasons. whereas when I lived up north, you kind of stocked up on your rock salt and made sure your shovels were good and things like that before the winters hit. Right. Here you stock up on all those necessities, you know, to be safe or be uh, prepared for what may come in hurricane season. So I can't imagine, because it's not like where I was was directly affected. Uh, I lost power for from Irma. We lost power for six, seven days. Wow. And. I'm originally from a third-world country, okay? And I've never been without power that long. So, <laughs> And it's also because I'm a spoiled American, essentially. You know what I mean? I've been in the right. U.S. since I was four years old. So, like, right. I rely on the Internet and Netflix and all this other stuff, right? And so, again, this is the kind of thing that down the road, not only can it be implemented to help people who really, really need it and are in a bad way, but even for spoiled brats like me – Perhaps this can help us resolve a lot of these issues quicker down the road. So it's, just, you know, because we're just scratching the surface of what this technology can do and revolutionize so many different industries. So, you know, it's going to be an exciting ride for the next few years for
1: sure. It's definitely a disruptor of uh, traditional business practices. But I mean, in a good way, if people adopt it and look, oh, embrace it with open arms it'll be beneficial. The people that kind of just wait and think this is a fad, a passing fad, might be too late. It could be the whole blockbuster video Netflix thing to where Blockbuster's out of business and now Netflix are creating their own shows and are a force, you know what I mean? So
0: Yeah, I mean, you think about that's a great example. You figure back in those days, you know, a lot of people now there's some people probably listening to the show right now who are like, "Wait, what do you mean? Netflix has always just been a streaming thing, right?" It's like, "No, Netflix had a cool business model. They would mail you DVDs, for those yes. of you who don't know. So you spent whatever it was when they first started off. I think it was like 5 bucks a month.
1: Exactly.
0: And they would mail you DVDs. And then you, in these returnable envelopes, where once you were done watching, you would just drop it back in the mail at postage paid. And it would get returned. And then upon return, their warehouse or whatever would ship out your next set. So you had like a list of movies that you put in order. Well, Blockbuster all of a sudden took a huge hit, you know, because people were like, oh, I can sit at home and kind of do this on the computer. Right. And even though it wasn't instantaneous, it wasn't that instant gratification, uh, you never had to wait more than, I think, like two business days from when you ordered your movies. So, And it was cheap, you know what I mean? Because you get unlimited movies each month, whereas at Blockbuster, you're spending 4 or $5 on one rental. Exactly. So if, if you're renting multiple movies... And I remember people thinking, oh, this will never affect things, but especially at that point, the video industry. And I used to work at a video store, and Blockbuster was always, like, the, the giant. You know, they were the McDonald's or the Walmart. Oh, yeah, they were
1: huge. They were huge. Un, unstoppable.
0: But then they were losing so much because they didn't want to embrace the technology. It, Eventually, they did. They had their own service where they would do the mail-outs. But at that point, they were so late to the game.
1: Exactly.
0: You know, it's like I look at Apple, right, and I, being a music guy, I was doing a lot of stuff with, you know, MP3 players. And back in the day, everybody, the standard was always the iPod. I always just personally had some issues with iTunes, so I was always looking for an alternative. I went with the Microsoft Zune, which I still feel was the better technology. But you know what? No one bought the damn thing because by the time Microsoft got off their ass <laughs> and came out with their own thing. And this is Microsoft. This isn't like some mom and yeah, pop, like a startup. Huge
1: company, yeah.
0: Right. They tried to get in that market, and but Apple had already cornered it at that point. And it was amazing because they their marketing, you know, you couldn't go, uh, you couldn't watch a sporting event nor a sitcom nor a soap opera without catching an iPod commercial in those days. Right. So they were always on top of their marketing, which is another thing that's huge. So, yeah, other people or other industries, if they don't get aware of what's going on and really do their research and get in on this wave – they're the ones that are going to drown.
1: They are. So uh, shout out to all the CEOs out there that are embracing it. And uh, all you CEOs that think it's a passing fad, we'll we'll see where we're at in a year. We'll see where where things are at. Absolutely. What do you got for us?
0: Well, sir, I was thinking about some of these folks that we were just talking about. Some people don't want to get on the And they're very dismissive. Uh, I think a lot of folks listening probably know about Steve Eisman. He's uh, most recently famous for The the Big Short, which was a pretty successful film, was based on uh, what he did. And his biggest claim to fame, I guess, in the financial industry is he's kind of a money manager who got famous for betting against subprime mortgages uh, well before anybody else did. Got it. So I saw a lot of hubbub about – he was interviewed recently – and this article coming from the Wall Street Journal where he was asked, you know, what he thought of the whole thing. And he basically dismissed it as kind of a passing fancy. And he said that he doesn't he isn't a fan of the investing craze around crypto. And so this calls like a lot of people who, you know, are interested were like, oh, my God, this guy's kind of a name. And if he's saying it's, oh, it's shady or whatever it is, then maybe it is. The messed up part about the whole thing, though, is when you look into actually the full interview, because, you know, these days, a lot of people just read headlines. Right. And it's kind of the clickbait mentality. So the headline in the Wall Street Journal says Steve Eisman of the Big Short bashes cryptocurrency <laughs> uh, with, quote, I don't see the purpose of it. You actually read it. He doesn't bash it. He basically just says, I don't see how it works. But partly, and he goes on to say he doesn't really know anything about it. That, so. I,
1: I was just gonna say that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like a like ignorance because I mean just just the headline alone, it's talking about cryptocurrency doesn't mention blockchain technology or, right. or Tangle web technology, which iota blockchain uses. I mean, cryptocurrency is just kind of like scratching the surface. You know what I mean of the whole blockchain yeah. realm. So like, this guy may have. A bunch of financial you know background or whatever but like you said uh cryptocurrency and blockchain is a whole other beast it's it's a bunch of markets and even like a whole new kind of like hybrid market to where it takes a while to figure out and navigate and i mean i don't know he, he could just even be throwing up a smoke screen that could be his public who knows comment, right you know and he could be secretly investing in it like making his move you know what i mean but
0: But this is the other thing, too. You know what I mean? Like It's so crazy these days because we live in the era of the soundbite and things like that where who knows what he's thinking a couple days later. Like, hey, man, that's not what I meant by any of that. You guys are basically taking my quote out, out of context. And obviously there are a lot of folks and not just individuals but companies out there that for whatever reason or another, some are just scared. Some are just they don't understand it. And it is human nature a lot of times to be fearful of things we don't understand so but some of these companies i feel are being a little irresponsible when they they're so quick to get on the whole negative aspect of things and be like oh well this is bs and this is just a scam or whatever like with anything there's going to be scams and there's going to be some half truths and 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 things like that
1: and you're right man and you know what warren buffett by the way which i respect like fully fully said the same thing kind of about crypto you know and but he's a traditional investor and he is super brilliant in what he does. He, he's like a traditional yeah. old school investor who buys up good companies. You know what I mean? It sits. He doesn't do like the stock trading daily, weekly. He, he's, he buys shares of companies, holds on them for 30, 40 years. The Coca-Cola's the, you know what I mean? So he's a real traditional investor. So
0: even. And that's something that, Hey, that's one of those situations too. Where like it works for him exactly. and he's a huge success, right? But maybe folks,
1: you know, but that's and he he even thinks day traders are like non-traditional and a little out. Right. You know what I mean? He's kind of like, and that's cool. Like
0: that's what what works for him, works for him and, and he's a huge success, but, and why would he want to mess with something? You know what I mean? If it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. It's like, if you're having success doing things the way you do them and it's, continuing, and you are smart, which that man certainly is a genius. A genius. uh, By all means, why would he, you know what I mean? And that's the other thing, too. It's a reputation thing, right? So if he even says something to the effect of, like, yeah, I'm looking into cryptocurrencies and blockchain, then every media outlet's going to be like, oh, Warren Buffett says blockchain's the next big thing. You know what I mean? It's the same kind of thing. He's smart enough to know that he has to choose his words carefully and things like that, otherwise things get blown out of proportion. So...
1: And, 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 again, and that guy's such a disciplined, like, yeah. That guy researches, looks companies up, I, I mean, that are undervalued, picks them up for pennies, invests them in, in them, builds them up. I mean, he's behind American Express. I mean, you know. Berkshire Hathaway is huge. That guy is just so traditional and old school. I think blockchain is, he's kind of like at the point in his life where he's not, if it's not broke, don't fix it. He's not going to change, you know, his strategies or move into new strategies or even new realms like blockchain, I don't believe. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. Yeah, but people will find out in the long term that cryptocurrency and blockchain in general has many facets and facets and angles to it and it's a multi it it encompasses many things so yeah to just say blockchain or cryptocurrency is one thing or one way i feel does it a disservice it's it's like you know and there's some people that are like doctors who are heart surgeons and that's their specialty and that's what they know best ask them about a foot surgery and they might say "Ah, i don't really know too much let me recommend you to this guy you know I think it's the same thing with with any kind of investing. There may be people that are brilliant in futures but don't know the daily traditional stock market. You see what I'm saying? So, right? So, I mean, being this is its own beast. You really have to be a blockchain and crypto enthusiast and really know about blockchain and crypto to understand its full potential and understand what it's about. So, yeah, yeah. I and I think that just it
0: basically sums it up, which is you know anything you're going to get involved in. There's going to be risk. There's going to be rewards. So, I mean, I don't care if you're buying, you know, it's something as simple as going to the grocery store and you said, uh, I'm going to use this baking powder instead of this baking powder. You know what I mean? It's just, just do your research. The information's out there. We're here to help you as best we can. Again, we're not giving advice. We're just giving you information. What you choose to do with it is of your own accord, none of our business. Right. But, you know, it's just one of those things where – Everyone's going to have a differing opinion. And what works for some people may not work for others. So
1: so on that note, I want to give a a quick shout out real quick. And this is to the mayor. Reno! Yeah, the mayor of Reno, Nevada, Hillary Sheeve. I hope I'm not butchering your name. I'm sorry. But so she's actually running for reelection. Now, now I have to say we have our offices in Reno, Nevada, uh, one of our offices in Reno, Nevada. And I really like it there. You know, I did a little research on on. Mayor Hillary Sheeve and she actually fought to bring Tesla and Google into the park out there in Reno. And she actually nice, yeah, got them to come out at they have a manufacturing plant and stuff. And blockchains Inc just came in and, and bought up a huge chunk of land a few months ago in the Tesla park as well. And so I give a big big shout out to her she's very very forward thinking forward thinking reno is in a, in in a kind of a boom right now with housing and and jobs and things and and she's a big part of that so i fully support her, her campaign to uh, for re-election and i hit her up on on twitter and I said, "Hey, can I contribute with crypto?" And she replied, and she was like, "Yeah, sounds great. I, I need to integrate that." So, <laughs> you know, it looks like that's she's into crypto. And and for a mayor like to to be saying that, I think that's awesome. So, a big shout out to her and all the forward thinking politicians that that are are th- that know crypto is here to stay. And and, it, and it's definitely to your advantage to be knowing about crypto. Don't don't be the one left in the dark five years later. What's the internet? You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean there's still people I know
0: who were like, people just get set in their way sometimes, and a lot of times it's it's either laziness again or fear. So certain things at this point, you know, people are acting like this is something brand new. It's been around now for nine years. It's just becoming a little bit more of a household name these well, days. So
1: I'll tell you something more than that, D. It's actually mm-hmm. been around since like the 50s, bro, and earlier than that. It's been around forever. If you, well, if yeah, you think I mean, there about was there it, it it's cryptography. It. Yeah. yeah. It's, it yeah. goes down to cryptography, okay, and it builds on that premise. So basically we're talking codes. We're talking things like that. Cryptography has been around forever. This is just a new way of doing it, and it's building on that premise of cryptography and putting it and allowing it to do things that we couldn't have thought about 50 years ago. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, it's it's nothing right new. It's just reimagined, and it's for our generation. And with the internet allowing us to do this, it's a whole new technology. You, you know what I mean? It's 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 a whole new beast. So we're gonna take a quick break
0: and come back talk a little more here on cryptocurrency now. Here, comes the money. here we go, money talk. talk. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrency Now. This show was recorded on May 17th, 2018. Be sure to keep up with the latest news in between episodes at our Twitter page at now underscore crypto. And don't forget to hear Jeff as he makes another appearance on the Larry and Joe show this weekend on YouTube. You can catch me, D on another live episode of 15 Minutes of Game every Wednesday and Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Get Vocal. Now back to more Cryptocurrency Now. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, back here on Cryptocurrency Now. Jeff and D here. And uh, all right, well, let me hit you with some fact or fiction then.
1: All right, fact or fiction. Fact or fiction, putting your knowledge to the test.
0: All righty. So, Jeff, kind of piggybacking off what we were just talking about as we move on to fact or fiction here, cryptocurrency, blockchain technology, we know that it's currently being focused on as a a monetary value, so to speak. Fact or fiction, it will revolutionize every industry at some point or another.
1: I say fact, and I say fact, and and I'll tell you why. It's just – it's like the internet took away – you know like your standalone fax machine or something right it was like you had everything back in the day separate you had a phone line a fax line you know you had this you had that and then they came out with the all-in-one the copier the printer the fax scanner etc etc blockchain is going to let's talk on like let's just talk like medical records okay Right. right now you have doctor's offices a majority of them, which still keep records, private doctors still keep records on on paper. Okay, A lot of them are transitioning to uploading them on the internet. But think of blockchain as where with blockchain, you, the patient, and the doctor or doctor's office will each have a private key. It will be able to send encrypted. Your medical records will, will not be able to fall in the hands of someone else basically you know what i'm saying if you don't have this key they don't have that key you can't see the information so like think of it as it's not going to take the medical record field away it will go ahead and streamline it make everything a lot more secure easier to navigate you see what i'm saying so it's it's kind of like the whole blockbuster yeah where where these companies that go ahead and say okay wow blockchain i'm going to now and there's a bunch of different you know blockchains that are dealing with medical records and different aspects of things. There, like for instance, ARN, which is Aaron Coin, they actually, as of now, pilots actually write their ledgers on paper. So they write their hours, they write whatever on paper. So Aaron went ahead and created a blockchain right. that basically does an app and will will put all the pilots' logs on the blockchain so now okay great which what what does that mean also it means you can't go ahead and erase or say i lost this paper once it's on the blockchain and it's out there it's actually irre- irreversible immutable it's basically time stamped, date stamped it's there everyone sees it so like you know you can't go ahead and change it later on once it's there it's there so it's like the ultimate proof and the ultimate security so again yeah. transparency is key
0: to exactly. keeping things accurate and honest and available to
1: everyone. I don't know no. about you, but I want—I don't want to think that my pilot is fudging his sheets, or you no. know, or, or or flying too many hours. You know what I mean? I want to make sure exactly. He's, you know, he's doing everything good. He's his time is logged. I mean, imagine a, a imagine a passenger that can hop on a plane and with some app, like on American Airlines, let's say it can say check pilot's flight log. And you can go ahead yeah. and check your flight number, your pilot's name, or whatever, and see his flight log, how many hours his pilot's had, et cetera, et cetera. I, I mean, you know that that I would like to know that. I mean, we go into yeah, the, it puts we, us at ease, you know. Yeah, we we and, go we go to a doctor's office if we're going to get a surgery, and we vet our surgeon. We make sure this is a top surgeon. That's... We make sure he hasn't messed anything up. But we walk on a planes blindly and some guy in a cockpit that we never see is controlling three hundred people's lives. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. It's, it's a, a really weird kind of thing, you know? It's like who we give trust to in the world. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if it's that whole like, okay, I'm in a group, if it's three hundred of us, fuck it, you know, if we all go, we go together kind of deal. <laughs> You know, or like if I'm, I'm on sparking the, up a cigarette, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, like, you know, or, or if <laughs> it's been it's a long just, time since I could smoke on a plane. <laughs> yeah, dude. And and at that point, it's probably not only your smoke on the plane. <laughs> you know what I mean? Girl. But yeah, but for some reason, when we go into a doctor's office, it's us alone and, and it's us under the knife. <laughs> yeah, we really make sure our doctor. But even that, man, you know, because I've actually
0: a uh, little quick background, not not, you know, to get too personal, but I've had a. Uh, medical issues, and I've had over uh, 30 surgeries, okay? Now, if I could have vetted my doctors more accurately by saying, okay, you know, a doctor's going to say, oh, I performed this procedure a dozen times or a thousand times or whatever. We're taking them for their word, right? Exactly. There's no way for us to necessarily verify that very easily. Now, if all those things were logged in every time they performed X uh, procedure that was logged in the blockchain in the ledger format, it would be revolutionary where, okay, I know I would have felt a lot more comfortable about certain things that I've had done over the years. Oh, yeah. if I if access to that information.
1: Oh yeah, and and you got to think of it like, what do we also do? Like, let's say we go to a dental website, we want to check out dentists. We read reviews, right. okay? Reviews are biased. Reviews are just like they could be paid. Yeah. It could be whatever. It could be this guy's feeling. You know, like imagine if, like with blockchain, you can go on blockchain and and timestamp. Okay, this doctor had X happen or this doctor has this malpractice suit and and it's all time stamped. It's all like official records and you know, it's not just someone's word. Like I, I think people will yeah. be able to make a better judgment, you know? And also another thing that would do, Yeah, because I'm going to lie. Yelp has steered me wrong a few times. Yeah, bro, but but what that would also do is that would give these professionals a higher standard. Like, oh shit, if I fuck up, we're going to be on blockchain. You know what I mean? Accountability. It always comes down to accountability. It's down to accountability. It's like – they're not going to be like, oh, well, let me pay a service to get all this negative info about me off off the internet. You know, this will be something that can't be changed, that can't be taken off, that everyone can access, that no one controls. That will be like a, you know, like a a verified platform. Think of it like that.
0: Very cool. So basically, Jeff's absolutely right. I feel like he's convinced me on our fact fiction here that blockchain will revolutionize many industries as the years go. <laughs>
1: Right on. Let let me let me get one for you. So, let me let me throw one at you cuz we're talking technology okay. here. I'm sure you remember back in the days, you know, the first kind of like streaming service, Napster. Oh my god, Napster. Right. So, did did Napster ruin the music industry with this business model?
0: I think what Napster did was they set the stage for what we use now like, you know, with iTunes, with Like, I use Google Play for my music, Uh, basically, I pay a subscription service each month, and then I have the downloads and streaming and what have you. I think what Napster did was not actually ruin anything, they just gave the industry the kick in the ass it needed to make music, I think, more accessible for people as well, whereas... You may not see the returns on the investment, so to speak, that you did one uh, years ago in the music industry. Now, again, though, but let me preface this also by saying Napster itself was bad for the industry in the sense that the artists, the record labels, they had no control. These are just people. It was file sharing. So essentially, if I have a CD and I rip all the songs from that CD onto my computer, then I can put them up on the site for anybody to go ahead and have free access to those songs as well. Now, what, how is that a bad thing? Well, it sucks for the bands and sucks for the record labels that relied on the revenue from album sales. Right. So if one guy puts out an album for 1,000 people to download, that's and those are obviously fans downloading it, right? right. So those are 1,000 people that were going to pay for that record no longer paying for it so that's why like i metallica was at the forefront of fighting with napster and they're the ones who eventually got napster shut down but i think what we learned from napster that was revolutionary and was implemented in modern times is that having access to music more easily makes fans uh multiply exponentially i think a lot of people even when i was younger music wasn't we think of music now as like everyone enjoys music right but i think a lot of people music was kind of a hobby to some people whereas now it's like everybody has a few bands that they love at least you know what i mean right. i don't care if you're i don't care if you're 7 years old or 77 years old like music is a part of lives for a lot of people in everyday so i think what napster did was they didn't ruin it as much as they gave the kick in the ass it needed now i don't think they did it the right way cuz i think it's pretty shitty to basically take other people's art and put it out there for free you know, because these people got to make a living, too. Right. And well, but, but at the same time, now it's kind of like there's been a compromise where now these other sources have said, OK, record labels are working with streaming services like Spotify and, uh, you know, things like iTunes and Google Play. And
1: So I'm sorry to cut you off, but no problem. But on that note, bro. So that's what I think is going on. And that's what I think was a problem. They spent too much time trying to fight Napster instead of trying to embrace this and say, OK, you do a paid service, a paid subscription, we get our cut. You know what I mean? They just try to fight it and, sp- and, and throw that technology under the rug. Like, oh, we're going to kill this technology. It's never going to. You know, now we have Google Drive, OneDrive, you know, all these basically cloud platforms that can do the same thing. Like, right now, I right. can upload on Google Drive a song and I can share you the link and now you'll have the song. I mean, who got paid for that? Nobody, right? But no one's really talking about that stuff. Like, That's.
0: Really interesting point, actually.
1: So, if, if the companies instead of trying to fight Napster, were like, "Wow, this is a great idea. Now millions of people have access to songs that they never did before. Let's work with you instead of suing you, and let's work some kind of deal and make it a paid subscription. You know what I mean? Or, or make it make it to you know like. YouTube. There's copyrighted stuff on YouTube all day long. No one has shut down YouTube because, you know, they aggressively fight it when they see it or get any reports and this and that. But with the amount of videos that go on YouTube, there's still free movies and stuff, bro. That's never gonna go away.
0: Yeah, there are plenty of people who are just filming on their phones of like kind of bootlegging a a movie that they streamed and then they're filming it on their phone and they upload it to YouTube or whatever, but you know.
1: but then what they do is YouTube got smart and now whatever like you can see for instance on YouTube like let's let's just throw out there like Pawn Stars is like a now Pawn Stars you can go ahead and pay for episodes on YouTube directly you click right. boom so they got smart they're like okay we know our shits out here let's give people an option so that they're gonna pay because People don't want to see the great quality, and, and in general, people are good, and they don't mind paying a couple bucks for something that they get value from. They don't mind paying exactly. a couple bucks. Exactly. Like, you know, and and so do you remember Mega Upload? No, actually,
0: I don't. Mega Upload.
1: <laughs> well, there's probably a reason, but this guy, okay, his name is Kim.com. Literally, he changed his name legally to Kim.com. That's okay? freaking hilarious. This guy's name was Kim Schmitz, but he ran a service called Mega Upload. The feds shut him down for copyright infringement. So because of the same kind of deal, it was not really a Napster. I would call it more a Google Drive. It was one of the first cloud platforms that allowed people to upload files and other people to download. So a lot of people were using it to put movies and songs and things like that. Even though he had like, you know, honest terms and conditions, you can't put copyrighted material, this and that. And he also charged a fee for people to use it. The authorities got down on him really hard, and they actually raided him, try to lock him up. Right now, he he did a little time. He's in New Zealand. They're trying to extradite him to the states, but the same thing that all the companies went ahead and really hit him hard with legal things. Instead of trying to say, "Hey, you're charging a fee for a service, we want a part of it," we'll continue to we'll let you continue to do business. You know what I mean? Right.
0: It makes. I mean, it's it's one of those things where like. A good idea can basically be – and I see – a lot of times I think, well, again, it's not necessarily that somebody had any intention of defrauding no. musicians or whatever and, and or or um, music, uh, movie directors or actors or things like that. I think people are just like, hey, this is cool and it would be great if there's a way for everybody to have some more access. And then it becomes a matter of, oh, yeah, copyrights and laws and things like that, and understandably so. Right. But when you see the demand where people – are so into the idea, then that's when you come together and say, all right, well, let's take this idea and tweak it to a way that makes everybody happy. Because now there's a lot of musicians profiting still off of record sales through uh, download purchases and digital packs and things like that and the streaming. So, like, if a band now, if so-and-so put, like, you know, we'll use Metallica as an example because they're the ones that basically took down Napster, they put on their new album. You know, and they decide they don't want it streamed on a service, they don't have to. Exactly. So, but then, of course, there's deals that are being made where, hey, you'll pay us X amount per download or X amount per stream or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And so it's turned into a big, pretty good business model. On top of that, guess what? Your production costs go a hell of a lot lower because you're not. Printing the packaging, pressing the CDs.
1: Exactly, exactly. You know. and, and now, and now, how are these bands making up for that revenue? They're selling tons of merch. They're merch doing Yeah. More tours. Like, so they figured out. Okay, we still in the. We're still in business. We just have to tweak our model a little bit. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's that's all it is. And it's like I'm sure I'm. I can't speak for Kim. Dot com or the people at Napster, but I'm sure if the companies came at them. Hey, we're going to hit you with a lawsuit if we don't come up with some kind of agreement. I'm sure they would play ball. And I'm sure they'd say, okay, great. Yeah. Because it would not only legitimize them and keep them in business. I, I mean, if they had that option, I believe instead of just getting sued and threatened, you know, the FBI coming down, I think that they would have worked a deal because it benefits everybody. You know what I mean? They all want to continue to be in business and make money. So I think they should have merged. And well, what's think-
0: crazy, too, is.
1: In the Napster days what was crazy too with the file sharing
0: and all that and the torrents was the you know the law enforcement feds the government they were cracking down on the users more than the people who were responsible for it you know what i mean <laughs> and,
1: and, and yeah and you know what it sucks and and i i don't want to say this is you know the way things are but i mean same day same thing with with other things they they don't really get the they don't really lock up the huge financial crime people or the big drug dealers they get the people that steal the one credit card or write a bad check or sell right. the one the one bag on the corner you know what i mean it's it's yeah. the down up theory and i don't believe that's the best way to tackle a huge problem you know what i mean it always seems like the bigger up you are the more freedom or things you can get away with so i don't dude know. in my early 20s i was terrified like i i my old roommate download he download one song and then like, come knocking on your door
0: dude he was he was downloading like he used a lot of torrent files and things like that and you know I was like man aren't they like really cracking and he was like well oh, he fancied himself a uh you know a tech whiz or whatever, and he's like, oh, they'll never find it because I, the way I'm doing this, it's going from this thing to that thing to that thing, so they're never going to be able to track where the source came, blah, 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 And I was like, cool, well, I'll be over at Best Buy getting the new album.
1: Right. You know, like, exactly.
0: And Because <laughs> I was just like, and also for me personally, because I used to play music and stuff too, I was like, I liked it as a collector kind of thing, and this was me again in my early 20s. Now I'm just like, hell no. Oh, my favorite band's got a new album? Sweet. going to fire up my phone here download that son of a bitch woo yeah you know, and it's like my wife gives me shit all the time she's like she goes, she'll still buy cds and oh. i don't fault her for that but i'm just like babe i already got it and she's like no i'm gonna get the cd and i'm like <laughs> and then it makes me feel kind of bad like i'm being a jerk but i'm like they got my money right either way they got my money you know what i mean yep. and i know how record labels work and bands really are Bands are making ninety percent of the revenue nowadays. Like you said, from the merchandise exactly. and instead touring. of their
1: managers, their you know their record label, etc. Now people are their own record label. Now they're doing yep. their own distribution on SoundCloud, different platforms. And you know, I'll just just say one last thing, and we'll get off this. You got to think about like uh, the dollar stores, okay? Like I know this is going to be a weird kind of analogy, but you'll get what I'm saying. It's like the dollar stores were offering people like let's say people couldn't afford the Thai detergent or whatever. They had at the dollar store the knockoff brand detergents, right? And after a while, I assume that it – was hitting the pockets of the big, uh, the big companies, the Tides, the you, you know the Dove Ball, Yeah, because then so they started lowering their prices. No, no, not only that, they started making smaller size smaller bottles, sizes. and now they're selling them in the dollar stores. Because now they realize we're losing business totally that we're losing that customer completely by not giving them this option and now by giving them an option in the dollar store whatever revenue they would have lost by by just that person not purchasing a tide product now that tide product is in the store now they're able to purchase tide and they're buying it so i mean i think companies need to look at blockchain like that like hey right now we're accepting paypal visa debit you know let's add a button for crypto y- you yeah. know what i mean just or, or just yeah,
0: because a few a few years ago you couldn't get PayPal to you know on a lot of these sites and everything too, so and now it's a pretty standard issue. So why not?
1: Sweet man.
0: Well, I feel like that's a really good point to end on, and and uh, we will check in with you guys again next week. Again, today's date was May seventeenth, two thousand eighteen. A time of recording. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you enjoy the episode. Give us some feedback
1: yeah and uh, just a quick shout out i'm gonna be on the larry and joe show this saturday 3 p.m eastern standard time big shout out to larry and joe thanks for awesome inviting me back on i really appreciate it i'm gonna talk about more of the company more CoinGuerilla.com, digital currency llc but i like to keep this show kind of just uh for the people so yeah thanks guys uh really enjoyed doing this show and see you guys next episode right on have a good one jeff later Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Follow us and comment on Twitter at CoinGuerrilla1. Register now at CoinGuerrilla.com and tune in next week for another episode of Cryptocurrency Now.